Hey everybody, you're listening to Dead Ideas, the podcast of extinct thoughts and practices. Today's Dead Idea, we're on part four of our epic series on the medieval Irish geish, a kind of sacred personal rule that kills you. Last time, we meant to finish up our story time, but we were having so much fun that we actually just kept on recording. So here is even more for you. These are all stories from medieval Ireland involving, you guessed it, a geish. That's what we're talking about today on Dead Ideas. Okay, so we stopped. We stopped the episode because that was just awesome, right? And we were at time, but then we started going into all the material that we didn't cover yet, and we were like, we should record this too. So, good. so this, this could be bonus content. I don't know what I'll make with this. Okay, everybody, just, okay. If you need to go get some coffee and come back, that's fine. <laughs> okay, so I have two stories on board. Okay, the first one is about a satire poet. Okay. Excellent. And the second one is another story of Cahullin. All right, but first, the story about the satire poet is really short. So we'll just go ahead and, and go with that one, okay? And satire poets are so freaking cool because they have the power. They, they basically, if they... Okay, so honor was so important in, and reputation was so important in medieval Irish society that people were terrified of satire poets. Yes. You wanted to stay on their good side because if they started like basically a viral meme that would go around <laughs> the town or the village about you casting you in a negative light, you were done. Right. And it was, and so I think that's often how we look at it now, but like the way it's depicted in the stories is like if they start reciting a satire about you, you could break out in boils, you could be physically maimed, you could die from being satirized. Yeah. You know, so, so it's, it's that like physical price of losing your honor. Yeah. So it's almost. near, it's, it's nearly supernatural. Right. And if not supernatural, you have to interpret it as like a nocebo effect, which is the exactly. opposite of a placebo. Right. Your yeah. mind. You're so ashamed that you go and have horrible things happen to you. Yeah. Your, you know. your, your mind is, it thinks something bad is going to happen. And so you actually physically physically break out in right. blisters or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is the story of Kyer uh, and Neda. Okay. Right. So it starts with a classic love triangle. Okay. Uh, king Kyer, a king of Connacht, which if you go to our website, uh, deadideas.net or Facebook page, we've got a map yes. made by Adam McKither. Thank you. Uh, where it shows Connacht is in the west, the in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One of the kingdoms of Ireland. Uh, so, Kyer, king of Connacht, loves his queen. And we don't get a name for the queen. I don't know. It's just a <laughs> tiny, short little story. They don't give a lot of details. It's actually a story inserted into a glossary as a footnote. So it's super tiny. But anyway, Kyer loves his queen, but his queen loves the satire poet Neda. And so, she wants to get it on. She initiates, she goes up to him, and she's like, hey, what do you think? <laughs> 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 you me, you me, yeah. <laughs> and Neda's like, are you, are you crazy? You're the, you're the wife of the king, yeah. So she's like, yeah, but you know, <laughs> he's like, no, I, <laughs> I don't want to die, right? So she's like, but I will promise you the throne if you will go into me. <laughs> and that, that's the words. That, like, if you will go into me. Yeah, that's yes. the words. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love, like, these stories are always so blunt about the sexual stuff. And I uh -huh. feel like that must have been how they spoke at uh -huh. some point in early Ireland. Because, uh -huh. like, in a whole other story, like, Queen Mev sends, like, a, 
an emissary to somebody she wants him to get, give her something uh -huh. and she tells her emissary like first just offer him the money in this much land uh -huh. if he still doesn't want to go for it then say I'll also just give him the company of my thighs you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's very blatant right. yeah, yeah. yeah so it's straight out there right. okay so she's like I'll get you on the throne if you just you know sleep with me right he's like well yeah but how are we going to do that so she starts her conniving so she knows that he's a satire poet right Satire poets have the power to make you super embarrassed, like we said, by making a public satire of you, okay? And as we said, so much so that you might break out in blisters. Now, a little thing about kingship in ancient Ireland is a king cannot have a blemish of any kind. You can't be missing an eye, you can't be missing a hand, and you apparently, have, yeah, you have to be kind of like whole and intact, otherwise it's like bad luck for the land or something, I don't know. Like, the land will be equally, yeah. You know, it must be a reflection of the purity of sovereignty and all exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, apparently, even blisters will be bad enough to trigger this, like, you can't be king anymore. So, they know that if he satires the king, and the king breaks out in blisters, he can't be king anymore. Therefore, he can marry her, and therefore, he'll be on the throne. Right. Okay? Which, fun fact, like... Kingship would not infrequently pass that way in ancient Europe. Like, especially in the early medieval period, like uh -huh. if the old king died, uh -huh. whoever would marry the queen, uh -huh. his, his, his like left behind widow, would be the next king. Uh -huh. And there was a lot of other stuff going into it, like, you know, would the warriors approve of that and were you a badass guy and all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. But there was frequently like kingship was transmitted through the queen to the next person that she partnered with. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing satires were kind of like geisha where uh, you can't just do it casually. It has to be justified. Yeah. It has to be socially justified. So you can't just satire because he wants to. It's not just free speech. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. You're, you're taking some actual injustice or, or dishonor that the person has done, and then yes. you're using that to make the satire. Yes. Yeah. So they have to somehow manipulate the situation such that the king will violate hospitality or something so that neither will be justified in doing a satire right. on him. Okay? All right. So, she's got an ace up her sleeve. She's like, all right, I know that King Kyer has this particular dagger that came to him from Scotland, and he has a geisha on him Ooh. that he must not hand this dagger over to anyone. He must always keep it himself. He cannot give it away. Wow. Yeah. Very particular geisha. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, at that point, the, all the pieces of their plan have fallen into place. But I'm going to fast forward to actually it, it coming off, right? Great. They're launching their plot, right? So there must be some kind of public uh, assembly of some kind, a feast, I don't know what. The details aren't there in the story. super short, right? But imagine it was a public feast or something. So in front of everybody, Neitha asks King Kyer for his knife. And my inference is that it must have been some situation where he was owed something, mm. um, perhaps for a song that he did for him or something, such that it would be a violation of hospitality oh. or of social mores for him to refuse it's, to give it's him It's sort of like, name anything in my kingdom that's in my power to give you that I will give it to you. I exactly. No! Yes. Yeah. Yes. So at that point, the king is in a bind. Okay? So he can either hand over the dagger and violate the geish, but keep his honor in terms of hospitality, or you can violate the hospitality to keep the geish, but suffer that dishonor, hmm. right? 
So the king makes the bad choice. He makes, he makes the, a bad choice and decides to go with the geish, which in the geish stories, a lot of times, it's almost like it's right for you to violate the geish if doing so uh, would allow you to keep a higher honor, especially a social honor rather than sort of like a personal private Like it's better thing. to do the honorable thing and break the geish? Yes. Got if it. it's if it's like a personal private geish that doesn't affect like your kin and everybody else. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So in this case, it was one of those. He's just got a dagger he's supposed to keep. Right. Right. He makes the wrong decision and he refuses to give over the dagger. He's essentially so, choosing his own life over doing the like generous, hospitable, doing, yeah, doing the right thing. thing. Right. He yeah. chooses his life over doing the right thing. And you just hear the king, the kingometer in the background go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then at that point, Neva's like, "Aha! I got him." Okay. So he launches his satire. And I actually have the text of the satire here. Oh, can you so do it? I'm, oh, yeah. I'm going to oh, read great. it. And it's very short. And there's, even among like only four lines, there's ellipses of places that we don't have. So that sucks. Right. But it's kind of neat to see what a satire counted as back then. Because it's really weird. Right. Okay. So, okay, so here's the, the satire that he says. Evil, death, short life to Kyre. Let spears of battle wound him. Kyre. Kyre. Ellipsis. Kyre, ellipsis, Kyre under earth, under ramparts, under stones be Kyre. <laughs> this is the badass, like, mic drop satire. Which was really kind of surprising to me, because it has nothing to do with actual Kyre. He's just saying, Kyre sucks. I want bad things to happen to you. He could have stopped there. Right. So a fun fact about this, so I can tell from the ellipses that in its original Irish, this would have been a type of poetry called the Rusk. And Rusk is like an old, an old Irish form of poetry where almost every word in the poem is a word that has like multiple meanings. Mm. And so oftentimes when this is translated to English, the translator will just leave the poem untranslated. They'll just do one line of it and put dot, dot, dot. Okay. Because it's almost not translated. Like, like if you literally translated it, it would be things like, I brush my hand on the elbow of the wife of the water god until I find the silver bracelet. Uh -huh. And you're like... What does that mean? You know, <laughs> but then if you look at all the individual words, what they're saying is like, I'm walking along the river Boyne, uh -huh. which is the river that's dedicated to the goddess Boan, who uh -huh. is the wife of Necton, the god of wells, until I come to the Bruna Boan, this house that is her treasure. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's what the that double word meaning. Mean. Right. Yeah. So it's a so double like, entendre. Exactly. So like, even in old Irish, you would be able to speak in Rosk and like uneducated people or people who don't know exactly what you're talking about would have no clue what you're saying. It's like a code. Yeah. But other people who are either trained, trained as druids or they're in on whatever topic you're talking about, they would get exactly what you mean. Uh, so it makes no sense in English. So that's probably uh, why they just did dot, dot, dot. There's probably some weird badass stuff in there. So in like, other words, it's way cooler than we have access probably. to. Probably. Like yeah. the under earth kind Much of. Like, I love how they're like higher under earth, which just sounds like I want you to be buried dead. But that could mean something like really deep and crappy for Kyre. I don't know. Uh -huh. Yeah. And probably somebody at this public feast would, would have be been like, oh, know what that means. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he launches the sat satire at him. Great. Kyre, predictably, is uh, deeply, deeply embarrassed. And the blisters arise on his face. Ooh. And he is therefore blemished, can no yeah. longer be king. And he runs away in oh. embarrassment. And so the plan works. It works. It works. He runs away. He's, he's, he's just, like, fled to some, like, I don't know, shed somewhere off in the countryside where nobody can find him because he's so embarrassed, <laughs> right? And then Neva is able to marry the queen, and, you know, they get it on. She gets what she wants. Wow. He gets the throne, and it works. 
But, <laughs> but as you said, almost every Irish story has a tragic ending, right? right. Well, here it comes. So Neitha feels remorse. He's like, oh, well, I'm king now. That's good. But I kind of feel bad about how I got it, right? So he's like, okay, I'm going to go and find Kyre and basically see, at least check in on him, see how he's doing, right? And uh, so he tracks him down and he finds him living in this kind of fort somewhere. And it was about to like, you know, inquire like, hey, buddy, long time no see, you know, like, are we good? <laughs> but but Kyre sees him and is so embarrassed that he falls dead upon seeing Wow. Him. Yeah, he's that embarrassed. Wow, like the aftershock of the yeah. satire just did him in as yeah. soon as the satire poet walks yeah. in. He's like, no. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when he falls, he falls on a stone that supernaturally like becomes super hot hmm. and shatters. And one hmm. of the shards hits Neitha in the head and kills him too. Kills him. And that is the tragic ending of this satire poet story. <laughs> everybody, everybody dies. Yeah, everybody Rock, dies. Rocks explode and everyone dies. <laughs> yeah. Except except the queen. The queen the queen wins. She's like back there well, taking the next lover. Like, who else yeah. wants to be king? They're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so that's the satire poet. And then I've got one last story. Okay, and this one's a good one. Great. Okay, I've got, there's some meat to this. This is going to oh, go nice. on for a while. You might want to get that coffee now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, so this story comes from the Toynbokwalni, or Cattle Cooley. Raid of Cooley. Toynbokwalni. One more time. Toynbokwalni. What he said. <laughs> right. This one, again, is about the hero Cahollin, uh, like we heard in uh, episode one. Okay. And uh, this story has it all. <laughs> okay, it's got it's got love, it's got battle, it's got tragedy, and true to the spirit of Irish heroic literature, eh, the tragic ending is brought about by Gesha. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's just a small part of the story, but it's going to be a good a good part. I, I like this part. By the way, I should also add that the portrayal of gender, if you haven't already <laughs> realized this by now. Uh, it's going to be, shall we say, interesting. <laughs> so we don't endorse uh, we don't patriarchal, sexist... No. Uh, right. We just spread it. We don't we endorse just... it. <laughs> <laughs> we just transmit it. Just... <laughs> Not our fault. Uh, okay. So it begins. It begins with Cahollin, who has his eye on a certain girl. Ooh. So we're going to go to the Kinsella translation here. Okay. So, Cahollin himself went to a place called the Gardens of Lu, Lugloxta Logo. No idea if that's pronounced correctly or not. Right. To woo a girl he knew there. Her name was Ever, and she was the daughter of Forgal Monarch, the Cunning. Cahollin and his charioteer Leg Macrangabra. Yes. Set out. How's the first name? It's like Lave. L A E G. Oh, lag. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lag. Lag okay. or log. Who All right. knows? Yeah. All right. So he's, yeah. he's lag from now he's on. He's a really cool character, too, but I'll let you continue. Okay. okay. Cahollin and his charioteer lag set out. No other chariot team in Ulster, horses or warriors, could touch that chariot with those warriors in it for fire and speed. Cahollin went up to the girl. She was out on the green with her foster sisters, mm. the daughters of landowners who lived around Forgal's Fort. 
They were studying embroidery and fine stitching with Ever. Oh, glad you hated girls. Mm -hmm. Cahelen greeted the troop of girls. Like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Rolls up his low-riding low chariot. <laughs> Turns off the bass so he can exactly. hear. He's literally got a bard in the chariot doing the bass <laughs> on a drum. <laughs> he greets the troop of girls, and Ever lifted up her lovely face. She recognized Cahelen and said, May your road be blessed. May the apple of your eye see only good, he said. Then they spoke together in riddles. In riddles. Yes. And this is one of my favorite parts. <laughs> it's one of mine too. It's yeah. great. Okay. Cahalan caught sight of the girl's breasts over the top of her dress. The cleavage moment. <laughs> and he says, I see a sweet country, he said. I could rest my weapon there. <laughs> Deep riddles. <laughs> no one knows what they're talking about. <laughs> Ever answered him by saying, No man will travel this country until he has killed a hundred men at every ford from Senmen Ford on the river Albin to Banchung, the woman yoke that can hold up a hundred, where the frothy Brea makes Fedelm leap. In that sweet country I'll rest my weapon, Koholin says. So he's just like, I'm going to do like, that. No, I'll be there. No, I'll, yeah. <laughs> How many hundreds of guys? I got this. Yeah, got yeah. it. <laughs> no man will travel this country, she said until he has done the feat of the salmon leap, carrying mm -hmm. twice his weight in gold, and struck down three groups of nine men with a single stroke, leaving the middleman of each nine unharmed. So this, the... this relates to feats, which yeah. is a big thing in the old Irish sagas. There were certain, like, really difficult-to-do yeah. displays of power. Uh -huh. Most of them useless in battle, but they just looked really badass. Also a big thing in Dungeons & Dragons 3. Also a, <laughs> a lot more useful there. <laughs> and the salmon leap, it's like when you see salmon leaping up a, a waterfall to yeah. go upstream to the breeding ground, mm -hmm. it's like that. I picture I picture the guy springing up and like puffing his chest out to like snap his body up higher. Uh -huh. So it's this really high jump where you're supposed to be able to jump like from the ground up to like a tree branch or the wall of a ring fort or something okay. like that. So that's what she's saying. You have to be able to do that okay. and kill three groups of nine men? Yeah. With one spear? Uh, and struck down three groups of nine men with a single stroke, Ooh. leaving the middle man of each nine unharmed. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so wow, these yeah. pennies don't drop easy, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, he's, but he's not deterred. He says, in that sweet country, I'll rest my weapon, <laughs> Cahalan said. <clears throat> no man will travel this country, she says, who hasn't gone sleepless from Samhain, which is November first. Uh, November, yeah, it's a November holiday. Right, the New Year of the Celtic calendar. Yes, yes. yes. When the summer goes to its rest until Imbolc, mm. which is like early spring, February. February. Yeah. yeah. When the ewes are milked at spring's beginning, from Imbolc to Beltane. Beltana. Beltana. Yeah. Okay. Which is uh like early summer. Yeah, May Day. Mm -hmm. yeah. At the summer's beginning, and from Beltane to Brontrogan, Earth's sorrowing autumn. That's the only one a I haven't harvest, heard of. Yeah. But a harvest, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's like, you have to go sleepless for like three months at a time. You get like one night of sleep in the holidays. Is that the deal? Uh, hasn't gone sleepless from Samhain until Imbolc. And from Imbolc to Beltane. That's oh, like a whole that's year. That's how I would interpret it. Yeah, I feel I like know. you get that one night of rest in the holidays. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Okay. So he's he's like, I got this. He's, he literally says, it is said and done. <laughs> like, I'll be back in a He's sec. writing this down. He's like, Leg, are you getting notes on this? This is going to be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then, to summarize and speed along. <clears throat> so Cahalan says he's got this, right? right? However, Ever's father, Forgol, 
won't consent to like any of this. Right. Even, even if he does manage to get all this crazy stuff done, there's no way that he's going to consent to this marriage. Right. Okay, but Cahalan's like, no, I'm going to do this. Right. right. So he has to basically prove himself first. To, he has to win over the the father. So this is like meet the fuckers a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> meet the foregall in this case. <laughs> meet yeah. the foregall. Yeah. yeah. Meet the foregall. Okay. So first he has to become this badass warrior who can do all this stuff. Right. Right. Because he's, and he's not like yet. check. <laughs> <laughs> well, not yet, but he's yeah, gonna. Yeah. Right. Okay. And this is where a lot of this story comes in. Now. Mm. Okay. This is how he gets his powers and what happens during that time that sets up everything else. The ending. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he goes to Scotland because he hears that. He should train with this really badass warrior. Stock. Yes. Yes. Who is not just any warrior, but a woman warrior. Yes. Yes. And how do you pronounce her name? Skahak. Skahak. It means the shadowy one. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Skahak. So, here's about Skahak, and like everybody's like, you should go train with her. She's really good. But while there, there is a great battle between Skahak and her rival, Aoife. Yes, Aoife. Yes, okay. Who's also a badass warrior woman. Yeah, it's like Xena versus evil Xena. <laughs> neither <laughs> one's evil. They're just like rivals. They're just rivals, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, and Skahax is worried because this Aoife has a reputation for being, and this is how it appears, the words in uh, Kinsella's translation, the hardest warrior woman in the world. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which, fun fact, by the yeah. way, uh, in other parts of the toy, it actually specifies that there are like some swords that have a special grip for a woman's smaller hand. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, so it's like a, like a whole style of sword that's like, quote-unquote, a woman's uh -huh. sword. I don't know if that's something that's been verified by archaeologists, yeah. but in the stories, they're like, oh, yeah, that kind of sword, the kind with the women's grip. It's you also know? got, like, little cell phone toys <laughs> hanging off of it that are like, hello, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> now who's transmitting the patriarchy, man? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm spending too much time with those Irish myths. Come on. <laughs> All right. Okay, so Skazak is worried because this Aoife has uh, this reputation, right? So the two armies line up. And then they do this common thing in ancient warfare that Andre actually told us about in the first episode, when he's talking about honor, where armies don't really want to fight and kill each other. <laughs> they just kind of want to intimidate the other into going away. So first two champions will come out, okay? And uh, so this is where it kind of turns into Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yes. You know, like two men enter, one man leaves kind right. of a thing. But in this case, it's not men, at least not for the challenge. Aoife challenges Skathak to come out and fight, right, between the armies, and everybody's going to watch him fight. But Cahalan volunteers to be Skathak's cha champion. Yes. So Cahalan is going to fight Aoife instead, right. okay? And, but he's got to find his angle first, because she's the hardest woman warrior in the world, right? right? So, okay, now I'm going to go back to the, uh, Kinsella's translation. Aoife challenged Skathak to single combat. Cahalan went up to Skathak and asked her, what Aoife held most dear above all else? Okay, this is how he get it. he's getting his angle, right? Okay. And Skothak replies, The things she holds most dear are her two horses, her chariot, and her charioteer. Okay. Cahalan met and fought Aoife on the rope of feats. So I imagine this is some kind of, it's like a tightrope <laughs> yeah, or something they have yep. to... This is another feat, is like walking the tightrope, so they are actually fighting on a tightrope. On a tightrope. Yes. Yeah. So this is make a great movie. It, I would love to make this movie. Yeah, okay. Aoife smashed Cahalan's weapon. All she left him was a part of his sword no bigger than a fist. Ooh, Ooh you know, not a good start, Bit of a right? problem. Yeah. <laughs> Then Cahalan says, look, oh, look. <laughs> he pulls the trick, but he's like, look over there. <laughs> uh, 
And then he says, Aoife's charioteer and her two horses and the chariot have fallen into the valley. They're all dead. <laughs> like, they fell off the cliff with the tightrope's over. <laughs> but he's just like, hey, look, this happened, Check right? Check so make, make her look, right? right. Aoife looked round, and then Cahalan leapt at her and seized her by the two breasts. Yes. Yep. <laughs> he took her on his back like a sack and brought her back to his own army. He threw her heavily to the ground and held a naked sword over her. A life for a life, Cahullin, Aoife says. So she's begging right. for mercy, yeah. right? And he says, grant me three desires. Aoife says, what you can ask in one breath, you may have. Hmm. Okay. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> so he says, my three desires are hostages for Skathak, hmm. which is a way of ensuring peace. Because yeah. you've got some of theirs... They've got some of yours. Right. Nobody will attack each other because otherwise you'll kill each other's hostages. Exactly. Okay. So first of all, he's looking out for his uh, his his yes. lady teacher here. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. And never attack her again. Beautiful. Second desire: your company tonight at your own fort. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes. And third desire: bear me a son. Great. Presumably from the company at the fort. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have as much fort time as we need. But we need to have a son. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And she says, I grant all you ask. So she's like, oh, okay. That doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so Cahollin went and slept the night with Eva. Soon Eva said she was with child and would bear a boy. I like that she knows. She's like, oh, definitely a boy. Yeah. <laughs> get out of my fort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then she says, this day seven years, I will send him to Ireland, but leave a name for him. Okay, so she's like, okay, seven years from now, I'm gonna, he's gonna be your problem, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I, but you gotta name this kid before you go, okay, nice. my baby daddy here. Right. <laughs> At least you gotta do this before you me. go back and woo the other woman you're interested yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So Cahollin left him a gold thumb ring, and told her the boy was to come to Ireland to find him when his father had grown to fit the ring. Well, you must be this this tall. You must be this tall yeah. to ride this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. The name he gave for him was Conla. Beautiful. Okay. Do I have a C-H at the end? C-O-N-N-L-A here. Oh, Conla. Okay, cool. Conla. Yeah. And now Kinsella doesn't make this explicit here, but everything else that I read about this part is Colin's actually placing Gesh on this child right, here. Yes. So yeah. um, all of these expectations that he says he's placing on, it's like actually Gesh yes. for the child. Okay. I agree. So... He said Konla was to reveal his name to no man, and that he must make way for no man, yep. okay, and refuse no man combat. So those are the three geisha that yes. he lays on him. And I love that these are like very honorable sounding, like, okay, so you're not going to give your name to anybody, you're not going to ever like step out of anybody's way, you uh -huh. know, you, you never step aside for any man, and you're never going to turn down a fight. Like, that sounds like so badass, right. but like, what could go wrong with this? We'll grow up what to be a great warrior. What could possibly go wrong? Right, yeah. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so now, speeding along, okay. So then Cahollin goes back to Ireland to win the Hand of Ever, because that's who he really cares about. Right, yeah. Mainly because of her sweet country. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, in this context, considering what marriage meant at the time in medieval Ireland and all the uh, economic benefits you get from it, I could actually believe that when he's, you know, talking about vast tracts of land, he might actually mean vast tracts of land. True, true. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, he did. He's an, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so the affair with Aoife, of course, was just a one night stand after all. So he wants to get a real marriage going here. But instead of simply asking the father to reconsider him now that he has all this training, hmm. he lays siege to the father's fort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back! <laughs> <laughs> and in truly heroic fashion, kills a shitload of people and does everything that she prophesied that he would have to do in order to enjoy this sweet country, does, including does he, like, a salmon leap and everything he, else. Does he, like, leap right up on the fort wall? There's a, there's a whole scene, yes. Because I remember she had, like, nine... She had three... There were three groups of nine. Yep. Okay, so just to clarify this. So yep. it's not just, like, she gave these made-up numbers, three groups of nine men, and then, like, for some reason, they're like, let's put three groups of nine men on the walls. So just to put in perspective, like, the ancient Irish warriors supposedly, like, in one of the tracts somewhere, it says, like, like, that would be, like, a squadron. Like, you have, like, three platoons of nine guys, and they mm. form a squadron. So, like, the idea of, like, three groups of nine men, she didn't just make that up. She actually pulled that from somewhere. Like, we typically have three groups of nine men guarding the place. That's how many you have to kill, etc. Believable. So, just to give you some context on that. Or, yeah. or there might have been some poetic license going on, Probably too, a little bit, because that's also a special number that the ancient Irish is, like, 27, but yes. But, yeah. But supposedly they would use, because it would be one, like, leader over eight men. Like, two, okay. four, four groups of two. So that's eight, like, underlings, and then the leader in the middle. Okay. And then three of those together was, like, a squadron, basically. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, all of those things that she said he would have to do in order to win her over, he manages to do in the process of, of taking this fort, okay? In the process, also, the father, Forgal, falls from the ramparts and dies, so he's not a problem anymore either. <laughs> and finally, he makes off with Ever, and they get married. Right. Okay? Great. Yeah. It's a perfect love story. Yeah. So a but little this... less romantic than Jarmage and Grania, but, yeah, you yeah. know, a, a little, it's also a... shorter. <laughs> a little <laughs> more... Take 16 years. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's not the end of the story. Great. The marriage has an interesting little interlude involving Prima Nocti, which, if you remember, your brave heart yes. is like the Lord, the Lord's right to deflower the bride on her wedding night. Right. And uh, <laughs> and this, as far as I can tell from reading these stories, this was specifically a right of King Conhor, King Conor of Northern Ireland, of, of Ulster. Like, it wasn't, I don't think it was okay. normal that all kings or lords would do this. Okay. It was generally frowned upon, but okay. for some reason, King Conor had this uh, privilege of okay. sleeping with the bride in the first night. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, that might, yeah, okay. But he knows that Cahollin is this badass freaking warrior, right? So he's afraid that Cahollin is going to get jealous if he exercises his right. Seems reasonable. But he's also afraid that if he doesn't ex exercise his right, the people of his kingdom are going to see that he he's doesn't... He's soft. Yeah, he's yeah. soft, right. right? So he's, like, stuck. So his druid, Kavid... Kavid? Kathbad? Oh, Ka yeah, Kavid. 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 Comes up with this plan where, yes, he is going to sleep in the same bed with Ever that night, but the druid and one other guy will sleep between them. Right. So they've got It's this... like like chastity guards. Yeah. Right. So like so basically King Conor gets the the benefit of saying like I exercise my right, I'm not yeah. soft, and Koholin has assurance that she was not touched the whole night. Yeah. Oh that's great. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually works out. After that Koholin and Ever live on as husband and wife, but it's not happily ever after because we're still <laughs> not done with the story. Right. There's a certain little boy who we saw at the beginning. I'm just like my dad. <laughs> so years later, after all of this, who comes a-knockin' but this boy, who is just old enough to be you-know-who, right? And uh, this boy also just happens to be a very precocious warrior. Not like his father. <laughs> yes, yeah. right? 
And so he's causing all kinds of ruckus on the seashore where he kind of, his boat kind of, you know, rolls up. Because yeah, I think that they have like men from Ulster who watch the shore for invasions and this boat just shows up and they're like, what, what the heck are you? Like, yeah. what are you who, doing here? Who are you? Who are and you? And he won't say his well, name. I don't have him. That's yeah. you. And, and you have to imagine in an honor-based society where reputation is everything. Yeah. What you want to know is who is this person you're fighting? Because right. if you don't know that, it's just a wild card. You don't know. Right. It's not a known quantity. Who are they? Who's their family? What's yeah. their reputation? Yeah. Yeah. So and can you also imagine like this, like forty-year-old grizzled veteran warrior who's on you know seacoast watch duty mm-hmm. and who's used to you know getting some respect, mm-hmm. and a seven-year-old kid shows up in a rowboat and he's like, "I'm not telling you my name. Get out of my way." <laughs> <laughs> do you think he was really seven years old because she said seven years hence she'll send him to ireland but right and then you get the, has... the rule with the well but the other thing is if he's precocious like his dad his dad got arms at age seven so. that's true let's say seven to ten somewhere okay. in there i don't know <laughs> so his balls have barely dropped <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's he's already <laughs> causing trouble on the seashore <laughs> and the king gets word of this and he's like he has to do something about it right okay um but but this little boy just like whips the crap out of uh, his warriors. Oh, so he's been beating warriors at the yeah. down at the shore. Yeah, beach fight. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So then it comes time for uh, the king to send in the big guns. It's Colin's turn to fight him. <laughs> like, get over there and secure my coast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to go back to the Kinsella translation for the final segment of this story here. Beautiful. Then Colin advanced on the boy, performing his feats as he came. So he's like doing like a salmon leap or something as he's like... Yeah, so that was a way of showing off how badass you were. Okay. It's almost like the scene in the martial arts, like yeah. a kung fu movie where yeah. it's like you do all this fancy <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So they may, he might be like tossing a spear up and catching it by yeah. its point or all kinds because of stuff. Because again, you don't want to fight if you can just intimidate your opponent into running away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So he advances on the boy, performing his feats. Then Forgel's daughter, Ever, had her arm round his neck, Colin's neck. Wait, so she's macking on him while he's performing his feats. <laughs> he hasn't she even must... got out of like the gold-plated chariot yet. <laughs> she must have showed up to watch it all go down. She, right? She's got popcorn. <laughs> Which, but she's like, she she grabs him by the neck, right, and she says, "Don't go down." She says it's a to Cahalan. Don't go down. It is your own son there. Don't murder your son. The wild and well-born son. Let him be. Is it good or wise for you to fall on your marvelous son of the mighty axe? Remember Skathak's strict warning and turn from this flesh agony, this twig from your tree. If Kanla has dared us, he has justified it. Turn back, hear me. My restraint is reason. Cahollan, hear it. We know his name. If he is really Kanla, the boy is Aoife's own son. Yeah, so I like she's the like twig from a tree line too. I can picture the kid down the water like, "Hey, not twig from a tree! <laughs> I am the tree. Come get a branch." <laughs> yeah, so she, so she, there's nobody's fooling anybody here. Like she's like, she "Dude, yeah. come on, this is your son." She probably takes one look at him. She's like, "Oh, what a dick! He's obviously your son." You know, <laughs> yeah, right? He's got your eyes, but Kaholin is in a bind once again, mm. right? It's his duty to do this. Right. The king told him, go and take care of this kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Then Cahollan said, be quiet, wife. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's like a, I feel like there's a million Wiccans right now who are like, no, the Celts are like matriarchal. It gets worse. Right. Okay. Be quiet, wife. It isn't a woman that I need now to hold me back in the Oof. face of these feats and shining triumph. I want no woman's help with my work. 
Victorious deeds are what we need to fill the eyes of a great king. The blood of Conla's body will flush. My skin with power. Little spears so fine to be finally sucked by my own spears. Whoa. So, so he's admitting. Even he's like, he, oh, this is Conla, and yeah, I'm taking he, him down. Yeah. Wow. He knows it's his son. Right. But he's stuck because this is he's honor-bound to do this. And he's like, well... If, if little shit's going to play, then we're going to play, right. right? Yeah. Take the boxing gloves off, you know? Wow. No matter who he is, wife, Colin said, I must kill him for the honor of Ulster. Right. Yeah. Gotta do it. So he went down to meet him. Those were pretty games, boy, he says. <laughs> 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 and the boy replies back, prettier than the games I'm finding here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> Two of you have come down here, and still I haven't named myself. So he's like, I'm oh, getting away like trying it. to beat the name out of him, and he's just yeah. picking everybody's butt. Like, yeah. Yeah. You haven't forced it out of me yet. <clears throat> Cahalan says, maybe you were meant to meet me. Name yourself, or you die. So be it, the boy says. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And the boy said upon him, and they struck at one another. The boy cut him bald-headed with the sword in the stroke of precision. Like he cut his hair off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like another feat. That's, that's a like, yeah. Shoot. Stroke and, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, right. and like just cut some bald. Just to let you know like how like I could have hit you if I wanted to. but Exactly. It's a yeah. shot across the bow. Right. Yes. The joking has come to a head, Cahollin said. And I, I don't know if that was actually a pun in the Irish. <laughs> come to a head. <laughs> come to a head. <laughs> nice. Nice. But okay. Wait, now we'll wrestle, he says. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't reach up to your belt, the boy said. So he's, I guess he's that short. <laughs> he's little, yeah, yeah, he's a little kid. Uh -huh. So he climbed onto two standing stones so that he could wrestle him, right? <laughs> Without moving a foot, he trussed Cahollin three times between the two stones. His feet sank in the stone up to the ankle. <laughs> it's like, that's how hard he's hitting it. He just... Okay, <laughs> he hit him, yeah. So this yeah. is like jackhammer blow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the marks of his feet are still there, which is why the people of Ulster call it traig, or tracht, essi, the strand of the mark. Hmm. Okay, so that's a just so little yeah. story in there. Tra so tracht means like beach or strand in, okay. in Irish, so like tracht essi must mean the beach of the marks. So. Okay. They went down into the sea to drown each other, and the boy submerged him twice. Then Cahollin turned and played the boy foul in the water with the gay bulga, which is another yes. feat. This is a crazy feat. And so this is, like, a lot of these feats that are being mentioned here, uh -huh. a lot of warriors, like, a lot of the best warriors would have learned how to do them. Uh -huh. So, like, it's not just Cahollin or just his son who know how to do them. But the gay bulga is the, or gay bulga, I should say, is, like, a feat that supposedly only Cahollin mastered. Okay. And people are unclear, like, scholars are unclear on, like, what exactly it was. But our best guess is that it was something like, if you can picture a blacksmith's bellows, you know, like you use to pump air into a, a blacksmith's fire. Okay. Put that underwater uh -huh. and like fill it with water. Okay. And then you load a spear you making into a squirt it. gun? You're making a, like you're making a torpedo. Okay. You load a spear into it because the, the bellows are full of water. Okay. And when you step on it, the force of the bellows closing thrusts the spear out and it goes skimming across the water right at belly level if two guys are standing in the water fighting. Oh, wow. So it's called gay bulga means the gut spear. And so oh, you wow. launch it from underwater. So you can't see it until it's coming. And when you step on it, it launches with the force of it, like a, 
uh, hydraulic torpedo, uh-huh. skips across the water, and ruptures into the belly of whoever it hits. So it's the U-boat maneuver. It's like a U-boat thing, and this is the best part, is that there's something about the head of the spear. It's not just it cuts into you. It has like a million barbs on it, so like uh-huh. once it cuts in, you're loaded with fish hooks, basically. Uh-huh. So taking it out is that you're dead. Yeah. You know? yeah. So if it hits him, he's going to be a goner. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing, because I only heard about it before as just being like a spear that you somehow throw with your foot. Right, yeah. You but like probably step on it, and it launches it. Wow, yeah. okay. He uses it one other time in the Toy Bukulni also, which is when he kills his own, when Kuhulin kills his own foster brother, because they are forced to fight, because okay. they're on opposite sides of the conflict, and they fight for three days, and there's no clear winner, and they love each other. Like, at night, Kuhulin sends him, sends him medicine, because he has better doctors, and his foster brother sends him food, because he has a whole army giving him food. They help each other, but by day, they have to fight in single combat, and that's how he finishes off his brothers with the gut spear. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, the, the boy and Kuhulin, right, right, are fighting in the water. And uh, Kaholin plays him foul. Plays him foul. With the U-boat maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> he torpedoes him. Right. Okay. He sent it speeding over the water at him and brought his bowels down around his feet. <sighs> yeah. So it hits yeah. home. And yeah, he's just disemboweled by this barbed spear. Right. There is something Skathak didn't teach me, the boy said. Oh. He's like, oh, there is something that Skothic didn't teach me. Oh. <laughs> you have wounded me woefully. Oh, I have, Colin says. <laughs> That's your reply. <laughs> Colin just likes that on Facebook. Like, yes, I have wounded you woefully. <laughs> what? <laughs> then he took the boy in his arms and carried him away from the place and brought him and laid him down before the people of Ulster. My son, man of Ulster, he said, here you are. Now, I, I want to read that with a, some tragic, yeah. name, like he's got a little tear, at yeah. least, down yeah. his you know cheek, being like, here, I've done my honor to you. Exactly. Screw you. You made me kill my own boy. Right. And here you go. Yeah. yeah. I also, I think, a certain note of grim triumph of like, I will do anything to prove that I am the honorable, the hero, yeah. the star of this saga. Yeah. You know, like, I will never break my word. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Alas, alas, said all the people of Ulster. It is the truth, the boy said. Oh, he's still alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still he down like, here. <laughs> he, like, he, like, pops up. <laughs> he's, like, got, he's got sausages coming out of his right. belly. But, like, but, yeah. It's okay. He's like... <laughs> Give me the chariot. <laughs> It is the truth, the boy said. If only I had five years among you, I would slaughter the warriors of the world for you. You would rule as far as Rome. But since it is like this, point me out the famous men around me. I would like to salute them. Wow. (laughs) And then he put his arms round the neck of each man in turn and saluted his father and then died. Wow. Then a loud lament was uttered for him. His grave was made and the gravestone set. For the space of three days and nights, no calf in Ulster was let go to its cow on account of his death. <laughs> They're like starving the calves. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the story of Cahollan and his son Conla. Yeah, the tragic endings. Yeah. yeah. So he lays the geshes upon him that basically initiate why he has to kill him in the end. Right. Yeah. I also wonder, I mean, giving it some context, like, I I know that at another point in the Toymo Kuhulni, um, Kuhulun's own father comes to him, um, and Kuhulun's father is the god Lu, who's, like, the god of of, war, of, of heroes, basically. Uh-huh. 
And he comes to him when Cuhullin is badly wounded and trying to hold off a whole army single-handedly. And he says, like, you know, like, let's, let's fight together. And Cuhullin is like, no, because if we fight together, you'll get half the glory, and I don't want to be second to anyone. Uh-huh. And so he's like, okay, well, then I'll just heal your wounds and help you, and you can go fight on your own. And I sort of wonder, too, like, because his son was obviously also precocious, a young warrior at age seven, just like Cahoulin was. I wonder whether there was any element there of, like, I will put these geysa upon him knowing it'll cause trouble because I don't want to end up being eclipsed by my own son. Because mm-hmm. this is a man who's dedicated his whole life, like Achilles, mm-hmm. his whole life mm-hmm. just to one thing, which is achieving lasting glory, uh-huh. you know. And I wonder if there was some intention there. Or if it was just like, I'll give you some manly geisa to live up to and we'll see what happens. Yeah, you I know? mean, the Hollywood version would be the latter. Right. But <laughs> right. knowing actual medieval literature, it's probably the former. A little bit of jealousy, a little bit of uh, competitiveness. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. So if if it stars Brad Pitt, then it's, <laughs> then it's probably going right. to be... It's yeah. just a pure tragedy. It's not yeah. conniving. Yeah. Right. If it stars Joe Pesci as, <laughs> as Cahollin, <laughs> short Cahollin... <laughs> If it stars Joe Pesci as short Cahon, it's probably the former. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that was a beautiful telling, Brandon. That's nice. Thank you. Yeah. Well, okay, that was a whole nother episode's worth. Yeah. So, listener, may it not be said that we do not deliver on our promises. <laughs> we have given you more content than ever before, and we're still not done. Yeah. The next, <laughs> the next episode after this will be our interview with Dr. Jillian Kenny who will talk to us about women and magic in medieval Ireland. Sounds great. Yes. Yeah. Will she cover like hot topics, like 12 things to do with your sleeping potion? Or like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five ways to get out of a castle with your man. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll ask her. Yeah. yeah I'll ask her. Water. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just say that that version Brandon was reading there, the, uh, top, the Kinsella version of the Toyn, that is the one that I recommended earlier. And if you haven't read it, please do amazing story really great english translation and uh it's uh, there's so many moving moments like that it's mm-hmm. a powerful tale yeah. yeah andre thanks for being on the show once again Absolutely. i'm afraid we have to part our ways here right. finally <laughs> we will leave the feasting hall and should in true epic fashion should we uh let the listeners know how that story ends how we die there has to how be we a, die. there has to be a tragic ending i assume we were going to spear fight now <laughs> We oh, had now black we have beer, to fight so. each other. We have to fight each other. We don't I will never want stand to. aside for you. <laughs> we don't want to, but we have to for honor. Exactly. And we kill each other. Yeah. Brendan is doing the feat of the great podcast editing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the feat of lifting a large jug of beer. <laughs> I will do the fade out feat. <laughs> I will make your voice quiet. <laughs> To dishonor you. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, yes. All right. Thank you, Andre. Absolutely. Last time, plug your book. Uh, If anyone out there loves to color or wants to buy a holiday gift for someone who loves to color, we just released a beautiful coloring book. It is designed for grown-ups, but suitable for all ages. The name is Introvert Dreams, and it tells a beautiful story through pictures and words, 90 colorable images, takes you on a journey through a beautiful inner dream world. Introvert Dreams, it's available on Amazon.com. Yeah, check it out. And if you like this series, if you're liking this series, because we're still not done, let us know. Write us in at deadideaspod at gmail.com or find us on social media at deadideaspod or check us out on our website, deadideas.net. And if there's a dead idea you'd like us to explore, we want to hear about it, so let us know. Thank you, everybody. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is Dead Ideas. 
Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, we will be interviewing Dr. Jillian Kenny of Trinity College in Dublin about the position of women in medieval Ireland. This is our first ever interview, and Jillian was fun and quirky and awesome, so be sure to check that out. Also, be sure to support us on Patreon. Remember, you can put a gesh on us. So that is a fun opportunity that you should not pass up. For $5 a month, you can also get your portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. We just got a new portrait up. John Weiss as 10th century Arab astronomer with astrolabe of Nostalus. John is an astronomer himself, and the astrolabe of Nostalus is the oldest surviving astrolabe in the world. So that was a lot of fun to draw. And you can get your portrait drawn, too, at www.patreon.com forward slash deadideaspod. All right, everybody, we will see you next week.